and another crazy week in the NFL and just another crazy week in general. Not recording this until two days later, three days later in some cases than usual. Uh, we obviously aim for Wednesday or Thursday, but with life and work, things really got away this week. So my apologies. I'm riding solo again this week without Boxhead, and it's my fault because of work and a couple of fault and emergency jobs, traveling around, working overnight, and again yesterday, I literally sat in front of the microphone knowing that Thursday night football was kicking off with Bears and Panthers, and then got another phone call for an emergency job, but I'm finally here now. Uh, unfortunately, you have to listen to me on my own, but what we're going to do is a quick wrap-up of the week that was, then preview the rest of week 10, knowing that result already between the bottom of the barrel Bears and Panthers, a 16-13 win with Bryce Young driving to get into field goal range, not able to do so, almost throwing a pick, and then a 59-yard field goal. So Tyson Bajan, another win as a Division two undrafted player and quarterback in the NFL, which is huge. And I guess with the moves that have been made more and more with the Chicago Bears, you'd expect that next year with what looks like probably two top five or minimum two top ten picks, a new quarterback and Justin Fields. I don't know what happens there. Someone picks him up. Did he become a backup? Do they try to do a Jordan Love type deal with him and get him competition? Really don't know. But big win for the Bears. Again, surprised about them trying to win. I know that Carolina could guarantee them the number one pick, but for themselves, um, you know, they're in a situation where you'd think you'd rather have two top five picks or top three picks if you can and really narrow down on a new quarterback, wide receiver, offensive lineman, whatever the the go is for them. But now after signing Montez Sweat, um, you'd think quarterback, whether it be a Williams or a Drake May and a Marvin Harrison Jr. at wide receiver, you'd want the best possible picks. But jump in and quickly do week nine. Steelers-Titans was the kickoff, and I know it wasn't a win for the Titans, but there's something certainly there with Will Levis and... Mike Vrabel obviously thinks as much because it's now been announced that he will be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season for the Tennessee Titans. It's just small things. You know, under Tannehill, it was a very run-heavy offense, short passing, his mobility with his legs at times to make plays. But Levis, uh, he's got that arm. He's got a bit of X factor. He's willing to take some chances. Him and Hopkins have certainly come together quite well. He, he was a non-factor in the first portion of the season. But now that these two are working together... I don't know if he can get Traylon Burks, their high number one pick. They traded A.J. Brown for going a little bit more, get Spears a bit more in the running game and balance, but it seems since Levis has come in, the offense certainly doesn't seem as labored. I know he didn't throw any touchdowns the other night, but they still look much better with him, and, and for no surprise, he'll be taking over for the rest of the season. But for the Steelers, it's one of the first games they really got something going with their running backs. Najee Harris is a number one pick. It probably hasn't been... Not a number one pick, sorry, a first-round pick. Probably hasn't been the best couple of years, but uh, Jalen Warren, his second year, certainly creating some competition, which is only a good thing for them. Best day on the ground for them, and, and their defense, as always, was the big reason that they won this game. But getting Deontay Johnson back, a bit more balance for Pickett, probably needs to take a little bit more risk himself, really, really takes the safe options, and they play within himself, but they just keep winning or finding ways to win. And in games where they're outgained, outscored, or really struggling in a lot of categories, they just seem to keep finding ways. So disappointing for the Titans, but they know their way forward. It's going to be with Will Levis for the rest of the season. But the Steelers, that ugly win, moves them to 5-3 and three in that logjam of three teams on 5-3 and three in the Ravens, leading the North 
they're in a situation where in the AFC they could have three, even four teams in. I know, I know the head-to-heads will probably rub that out, but the NFC, AFC North, sorry, at this point in time has just been an absolute dogfight and a ripper contest this week. Browns, Ravens, two super defenses. Deshaun, Lamar, that's going to be a belter in the AFC North. Chiefs, Dolphins, 21-14. Uh, I know the score indicates a bit closer, but realistically, this feels like the Chiefs took their foot off the neck. It was 21-0. The Dolphins couldn't really get anything going. They couldn't get the running game going. Most things in the pass side of things were shut down. Multiple drives, moving the ball around. Mahomes was very, very calm. Um, you know, the McKinnon one, the screenings, Rashi Rice, Gray, and then after that, they obviously had that huge turnover play where they read the lateral and McDuffie, the rookie who's been really good, jams in, rips the ball out in the lateral, the cook that goes to make it 21-0. The one-on-win late with Cedric Wilson in the first few opportunities, they sort of got the Dolphins, uh, they, you know, mossed it off the Mahomes fumble. They turned that into 21-14, but they had multiple chances after that, a couple of drives. Third downs, they were 3-12. They punted seven times, and... The big question still remains for the Dolphins. They're high octane. They've had some big wins, but they haven't taken a big scalp. So if you're not going to take a big scalp, come playoff time, if they have to travel again to Buffalo or one of the North teams and get through the AFC and you know possibly again the Chiefs, they're yet to prove that. They can certainly blow the bad teams off the park. They're fun to watch on offense, but in terms of the defensive side of things, running the ball when it matters and finishing off drives, they're yet to take a big scalp this season. So... A little bit left to be improved there. Falcons, Vikings, just crazy. But I just see both sides of this. The Vikings to lose. Kirk Cousins and then Hall gets concussed after throwing a nice couple of plays. To have Dobbs come in who doesn't even know the plays. The, the players don't know his cadence, half their names. And to win the way they did, this is just another summary of where the Falcons are. Like Three turnovers they managed to get with him being in there with fumbles and getting pressure, and they only turn into eight points. And whether it's Ritter, whether it's Heineke, whether the offense operates a little bit better, there's got to be question marks because Arthur Smith has used high picks on a running back in Bijan Robinson. You pick a tight end at number four, and he's essentially using these guys half the time as decoys. And the running game's their strength with Algier and him, and they're not really leaning to that. And with the pass, straight London and Pitts, that's not working either. I think that there's a pretty simple thing here, and even with the offseason spending and Draft picks as well on the offensive line and the defense. Need to fix your quarterback situation. Heineke's not the answer. Ritter was a cheap option and an easy option from what he did in college with one year at Cincinnati at the back end there. It's it's just not it's not working. Free agency's hard to get someone. They've won, I think they're four and five at the moment, so in terms of where they end up with a pick, but with everything that's in place right now for the Falcons and the way they're playing their football, you've got to get a quarterback. Plain and simple. But Josh Dobbs, mate, take a bow. The plays he made after the week he's had and been at four teams in the space of 12 months and being traded around, man, that guy's all heart. And the, and the plays with his legs are probably more impressive. The run late for a long third down, the touchdown run that he sold, getting the job done. Uh, you, you'd only think the confidence that he built and the Vikings plays, seeing what he'd done, given the circumstances after losing Kirk and the weapons they've got, that they're just going to improve and they, they could be a sneaky wildcard. I still don't know situation-wise for them where they want to be in terms of salary cap and 
where they're at as a team and an organisation. They said they wanted to do a competitive rebuild, and we've spoke about this before, moving on your cooks and a couple of these sort of guys in contracts and trying to adjust on the run. And what happens next year? Do they come up with a sort of middle-of-the-ground deal with Kurt Cousins for a year or where they end up with a pick? But if they end up with a wild card, have Dobbs, have all these receivers, Jeffersons, Addison, Osborne, Hawkinson, um, you know, Flores too. Defense is slowly getting better. They could uh, find themselves as a wild card on the NFC side of things, but they roll on and chasing the Lions. Hard in that division, but looking forward to that when that comes up. But yeah, Atlanta, four and five, blowing opportunities. Quarterback situation needs to be sorted out with the other investments they've made. You can't spend high picks on running backs, tight ends, and all these sorts of things if there's not a quarterback behind that and that offensive line. And all the money in defense... At this point, nothing matters if you don't have that man to drive the ship. Saints-Bears, certainly not pretty. And for Bajant, now we just said he got his second win in this Week 10 fixture. But last week, um, sort of just shows up against a decent defense. Three picks. Could have had a fourth if Komet didn't snatch the first touchdown out of the hands off the DB. And, you know, late in the game, a couple of simple ones where the routes were just cut. A big day for Adebo, the safety from the Saints, and I'm pretty sure he's a rookie, also forced to fumble, but the Bears certainly leaned in to using Komet, um, also Foreman, very, very run-heavy. He's, he's becoming a bigger factor, and it's been the case at multiple teams where he sort of had these streaks, and then he just ends up moving again. So it's been an odd career for him so far, but for the Saints, Carr, he was steady again. It wasn't anything crazy, but 2-11, two touchdowns, did his job. The mix-in of Taysom Hill and his career, like what a career he's had, run, pass. He threw a touchdown. The runs he's got, I think there was a stat, something like 10 receiving touchdowns, 10 running touchdowns, and I don't know if he's thrown for 10, but he's only the second person all-time or first person all-time to rack up numbers in all those categories. So um, he's been a factor this year to add a bit more balance. But with Kamara back, you know, Carr slowly sort of improving, but they're really leaning on their defense, their other weapons, and the rookie kicker. They drafted group. He's been absolutely outstanding for them as well. But this one was probably close than what it should have been. But their defense made some plays and, you know, kind of picked on Bajant, who certainly can't be faulted for his effort. But the other thing for them, the Bears, we just spoke about it, Montez Sweat. He traded a second-round pick and now a four-year, $98 million contract. Like basically 24 on average, $42 million guaranteed. They don't have an out for three years until $63 million. So Rashawn Johnson, the first-round pick, coming up for his contract and saying he'd wait, then basically he'd be pissed if he was paid beforehand plus the capital. Don't know if that situation's going to be any friendly or if he's going to be too happy now that that's happened. But for the Bears, um, a heavy investment in a guy who I think is a good player, and I know pass rushers are very important, but they essentially paid him more money and had to invest a second-round pick, which is all they got for Khalil Mack at the time. And Khalil Mack this season, I know it's only been in two big games, and I'm not even trying to compare those two age-wise or rusher-wise, but he's got the same amount of sacks. So when you look at the deal they made at the time and the deal they've made here and the contract they've dished up, it's a good pass rusher, and they are important, but I wouldn't say he's an elite pass rusher for the money that they've paid. So hopefully it works out for the Bears. It's been a very long stint, but that's a hefty investment on top of the trade, which we knew if you're going to do a trade, you're going to have to sign. But Saints take control of that division for the time being, but the South's still very open. Packers, Rams, hard to watch. Brett Rippon, you know, Cup still under a cloud. Nakura under a crowd, missing Kyron. 
Williams, Acres traded, now he's injured. They're just run out of petrol, run out of players. And, you know, Green Bay didn't hit any heights. Love was steady, still playing within themselves, still not really willing to go outside the lines with him yet. And Lafleur is going to have to at some point because they need to figure out what they've got in him. But, you know, they won the game more off the back of their defense and some run plays. Jones, who's been injured all year, come back, had a better day, had an ugly fumble, but it just didn't matter because the Rams couldn't bank any points and 7-3 almost at the end of the third with a field goal to make it 10-3. It was very, very ugly, but Packers defense makes a play, tip pick, and then late Watson um, gets a long bomb from Love. They open things up a bit, then Musgrave, nice play up the middle, scores a touchdown, and, you know, Three and five, that division, I don't know. If I'm on Green Bay, similar deal. You've got to see what you've got in love, but with the young receivers and what's going on for the rest of the year, open things up. Open up the playbook. See who he is. Like The contract's good, but there's, there's decisions to be made here. You've got some good young pieces. You've got some stuff to build with. You've got a good defense. The offensive line, you know, there's some older guys there who have been a bit injury prone, and there's been injuries again this year, but why you've got him on this cheap deal you have to look this year because if they land somewhere in the middle and there's four or five good quarterbacks in this class, maybe they want to bring someone in to compete with him because it's not going to hurt them salary cap-wise. And then free agency, you go get a better receiver who's not a first or a second-year player. Can you bring Devontae back like we spoke about last week? I don't know. But if you're just going to play screen, safe stuff, short and over the middle, you're not going to find out what you've got. So open up the playbook, see who Jordan Love is. And for the Rams... They're in line for a top 10 pick now. They've still got a lot of capital. They've traded away for the future, but maybe I think in the offseason they might have to be sellers of a few players to collect some you know, some collateral and head into this draft with a bit more pick-wise and some cap room and maybe build with an Akua and a cup. And, you know, if, can they redo the Stafford deal? I don't know, but funnily enough this week, a bit of a roundabout. Carson Wentz now signed as the backup. You look at Goff replaced, you know, um, at the Rams by Stafford, who come from the Lions, who have now got Goff, and Goff was the number one pick over Wentz back in the day. A bit of a cycle there between these guys and these few teams and where they've landed. But Carson Wentz, it's been an interesting run. There's been a lot said about the guy. But now back up under McVeigh with Stafford for the rest of the season. Certainly got physical traits and talent. Um, Good cover for Stafford. And, you know, they had success last year in a short period of time with Mayfield. So this may be a good situation for Wentz to move into, even as a backup, just learning-wise and coaching-wise with McVeigh for the rest of the year. But moving on from that one, Pats, Washington, you'd have to say this is two teams that look like they wanted to lose. Again, it wasn't great. Not for the Patriots. They let Washington convert too many third downs, couldn't get them off the field. Offensively, again, a real struggle. Besides the Henry one-on-one win and Ramondre's long run, was mostly poor. Another poor pick by Mac Jones. The defense certainly did their part. I know the score for the most part doesn't show up, but they got caught with sacks. They got a couple of turnovers. They got Mac on the field, but the offense all year has just been dreadful. And, you know, the situation with Bill, the media is probably fueling it more than anything about him moving on or being under pressure in the hot seat, but that's, at the end of the day, up to Robert Kraft. Is the relationship that rocky? Do they feel they need to move on? Do they want more control? And if they do, who are they going to hire? Uh, there was rumours, obviously, as there always is in all sport, that, you know, Casario, who's at the Texans' expatriate, Vrabel, Titans' expatriate, they'd like to get in some expatriate guys and restart this thing and go for the long term. But 
who's to say that's a possibility? Who's to say that's available? Who's to say those guys want to leave? If I'm Casario on the direction the Texans are going or I'm Vrabel on the overachieving job he's done so far at the Titans and his defense that he's got now Levis, if that works out at the back end of the year, why, why would those guys want to leave? And I haven't looked at their contract situations, but also if they are signed, you know, you'd have to trade for them. You'd have, there'd have to be moves to be made, but... I think naturally they're just links being made by people in the media from expatriates. But yeah, they need to move on. This is the highest they're ever going to be in the draft. They're better off, same deal. Putting in some young guys, sitting some guys down. JC Jackson's not traveling to Germany this week for their game. Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, I don't know. They, they, they seem to think they know that neither of those guys are their quarterback. But at this point, let Zappi play. Why not? Give him a couple of games. If that's the situation you're in, see if there's anything worthwhile there. But I think for Mac Jones, time is running out. And for the Patriots right now, they'd be the fourth pick in the draft and they're the worst team in the AFC, 2-5. and five. They're the only AFC team, 2-5. and five. Not what you'd expect. But Washington traded away young, traded away sweat. How it's been a mixed year with him getting hit. But there's been some signs that maybe he could be a decent quarterback, especially if they put a line in front of him. Throws off the back foot, got a strong arm, willing to run. They've got some receivers, they've got some pieces. So, whether Riverboat Ryan and like we said, this staff are all there's a different story. But I think sneakily, this new group of ownership, if they make the right decisions, there's a few things there that are positive for Washington to build off. But this game was not enjoyable at all, to say the least. And the words of Chase Young basically saying that he could feel the difference between the two locker rooms and the clubs and the direction that's going doesn't speak highly of what was going on at Washington. So. Ravens Seahawks 37 to 3 dominant pretty embarrassing for the Seahawks don't need to say much else 500 plus yards almost 300 on the ground Keaton Mitchell there was talk about him being drafted how he was explosive 9 for 138 but between him Gus Lamar Justice Hill you know they just blew him away on the ground moved the ball when they needed to Huntley even got to come into the fourth quarter and play a whole quarter couple of turnovers. Their defense has been outstanding this year. A real underrated piece. Probably one of the best defenses, which is why this week against the Browns and that AFC North clash is awesome. But for the Seahawks, some genuine concern. Geno struggles this year. I know the contract's not huge and they can get out of it. Their defense is the bigger concern. You trade for Leonard Williams this week. You've got good young secondary players. Your front isn't too bad and you added to that strength, but you got absolutely gashed on the ground. And 40 minutes of possession to 19. Like, with that sort of control and petrol taken out of you, you are never going to be a part of the game. So, back to the drawing board for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. And it's a few times this year again where we've seen AFC teams just put the hurting on the NFC teams in, in some of these head-to-heads. So, mm, some signs there about the AFC side, I think, bar one or two NFC teams, in particular the 49ers and Philly. Texans, Bucks, man... What about this game? Honestly, you would have thought for all money, Texans gone, but two times they come back from decent deficits. CJ Stroud, like if you're the Texans, you know, it seemed crazy when they traded back up for Will Anderson after taking Stroud, who a lot of people had some doubts about. Ohio State quarterbacks haven't been that successful, but it looks like they have absolutely put themselves on a winner here. Five touchdowns, almost 500 yards, just ice cold, this bloke. He is a naturally born winner. Move the ball, clinical, just, man, ice in his veins. But the comeback, and in particular the last drive, putting together four or five big plays, managing the clock, the timeouts, and then with 
you know, barely 15 seconds so I left linking up with Tank Dell to take the lead and, and shut this one out. They they must be just absolutely rubbing their hands together. And anyone sort of questioning it, I was probably one of them, about the trade back up and the extra capital. You're not feeling too bad right now. Anderson uh, may not be showing up on the scoreboard, but personality-wise and in the locker room, they're very happy with him. Um, Pick-wise this year, they'd probably be pick 15. That's the one that's going to Arizona, but they did get one back from Cleveland, so they've still got a first-round pick at 23 at this point in time, so it's not a high pick. But the fact they landed Stroud and come back up for Anderson, I think now they'd be feeling a little bit better about the situation with the trade-off and still having something in that regard. So, um, yeah, a later first-round pick could have had two, but mind you, if they're both high first-round picks and you've got extra seconds or earlier seconds, you're still in a good situation. But mate, he was outstanding. And, and to lose your field goal kicker and the running back, Agambole to kick one from 30. Uh, their secondaries, both secondaries were pretty awful. The Bucks couldn't cover all day. It wasn't the greatest for the Texans either. But this young man just turned up and, you know, the receiving core, like he's, he's getting more comfortable with Dalton Schultz. That franchise tag, people question it, look good. Tank Dell, like Nico Collins, Noah Brown's con- contributions. I know Woods has been a little bit injured, but they've got a good mix of veterans and youth, and they're in a really good position. You've got Tunsil, got some pieces on the offensive line. If they really do a good job in this offseason, drafting-wise and for agency and make some and good decisions, this could be a team that really starts to take over the South there, which has been quite open for a while. But for the Bucks. Mayfield's done his job, uh, didn't win this one. And it's another decision, like we said before the start of the season, there's a lot of guys that seemed unhappy. They've got a lot of money in their defense. Levante David, Devin White, these sort of guys, maybe they become sellers in the offseason from a few of those contracts and have to move on. Because, you know, quarterback-wise, why Mayfield's been good, you're not going to sign him long-term. Are they in a position to draft? You know, they're the eighth pick. Do they, do they like any of the quarterbacks? Will they finish up in a spot to get a quarterback? Can you get some capital for Devon or a few of these guys that think they want to go elsewhere and win and sort of reshape your team to rebuild? You know, they've struggled to run the ball. But, again, we won't know until the offseason. They, they may be another one of these teams that sells up and tries to get some collateral to move into the draft. Broncos, or sorry, Browns, Arizona, 27-0. Another one that probably doesn't need a lot to be said. Oh, I sort of feel almost like the Dobbs trade was symbolic of that team's ethos, attitude, and effort this year. And the moment he went out the door, someone to sort of look at. And I know Kyle is on the way back, but when they put in Clayton Tune, especially against this defense, they were asking for it and they got exactly what they deserved. Seven sacks, two picks, only 58 yards, completely dominated. Um, Deshaun returned, you know, he had a couple of nice plays. They limited sort of what he did, but him and Amari had a really nice day together. But they controlled things with their defense and their run game. 40 touches on the run, 36 combined between Hunt and Ford. 71 plays to 48, but the defense, Garrett, the secondary, just absolutely dominant. Tune was running for his life. They couldn't get anywhere on the ground. 58 yards, just blowing away. And for the Browns, them and the Ravens' statements heading into each other. And like we said now, these two epic defenses, pass rushes, secondary, running back groups by committee, and then Deshaun versus Lamar. What else could you ask for? I think it's the matchup of the week. Colts, Carolina, 27-13, not pretty. And two steps forward, three steps back, unfortunately, for Bryce Young. It's been a hard year, but two pick sixes to Kenny Moore. Three interceptions over total. 
sacked four times, constant pressure. The hard thing here and what you've got to hope when you know you're in a situation where you are the number one pick and we talk about these teams aren't really the best in that situation and some take a year or two to retool. Can they protect him? Can they get him better weapons? Is it the fact he is a smaller quarterback and those questions are there? Because he certainly debunked any of those while he was at Alabama showing that he was too small and couldn't read or couldn't play. But you just really got to hope here that he doesn't get injured or his confidence isn't rattled. And they would have felt better after the head-to-head with C.J. Stroud, even though I know the quarterbacks don't go head-to-head in that result. But then a week later, a step backwards. And now, as we know, yesterday, the start of week 10, the loss to the Bears. And another game where situations there to put him in position and almost threw a pick or made some good plays, but also had a couple of struggle plays. Um, just need to, to get him through the year and keep his head up and his confidence. And for him, coaching-wise, I wonder, you know, is Wright going to be there? Is he going to have another head coach coming into his second year? Is that instability going to continue? Because Tepper, he's a fund manager. He wants success. It's It's been a rough sort of trot there. He paid out rule. He's got Reich in. It's, uh, it's going to be an interesting one to keep the eye on and no first-round pick, as we know. That pick they had, they traded away. It's currently the first pick in the draft that's coming back to Chicago. And then after that, like, I don't know about their seconds and their thirds. I'd have to go through their other picks. But, yeah, it's hard to be feeling good when the other guy they took at two, who's a bigger body and he's been very, very good so far, he's probably in a better, definitely in a better situation team-wise, CJ Stroud. But, you know, you had to trade extra picks to get up there to what you think was the right decision. Um, and now you've lost your first and there's some pieces you thought you may have had and it's not quite going how, how you'd think. So hopefully they can manage him through. But for the Colts, Minshew, we know he's going to play for the rest of the season. No turnovers after having a fair few the last few weeks. Leaned into their run game, but it was mostly those two pick sixes. That 14 points there was probably a bit closer, but those two plays ended up being massive, so... Colts, um, they're scrappy, tougher than what we definitely expected. Defense probably a bit underrated, especially their front, they're generating some pressure. And the run game, Taylor Moss, it's been on and off, but yeah, Minshew cleaned up the turnovers and the opposite side of that, the two pick sixes were the difference. Raiders-Giants, this is a disaster for the Giants, but for the Raiders, a bit of indication um, that maybe the decision about McDaniels and Ziegler was wrong in Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, son of the famous Michael Lombardi. But they got a response, didn't they? Like They talk about coaches and their contracts and the payouts. And Gronkowski, I thought this week, quite interesting talk about these players and their, their non-guarantees and all this sort of stuff and the money they miss out on the ones being on the field. But coaches get sacked to his end, guaranteed six years' worth of money, like almost $80 million worth they're paying coaches and GM's not to be there, but these players can't even get guaranteed deals. He's probably making a fair point, but for Davis, he makes the decision. Pierce is probably not a head coach by definition in terms of you know the X's and O's and everything, but in terms of being a leader of men and getting a group to buy in, it's only been a week, but the attitude certainly shifted, and they turned up in a big way. Their defense was dominant. Crosby had himself a day, Splane, Mo Rigg, a couple of these veterans chipping in. He was definitive with O'Connell, probably listened to a couple of his offensive guys. You saw the attitude change with Renfro, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs running the ball, a lot of these guys that were playing down. So there's a bit of life there, and I guess if they steer this thing home, maybe he becomes the head coach. Maybe they go that direction with somebody that was born and raised. I know it's Vegas now, but he grew up a Raiders fan, was in the Raiders area, won a Super Bowl, 
probably more a leader of men type, like a Dan Campbell, who's obviously got a lot more experience, but he, he might be the man to lead this team forward. It could arrest some of the fears about players that wanted out like a Devontae. You don't know. But I guess your question for them, first-round pick investment, which hasn't worked out that well um, over the last few years, and the talent there that they've had to move on. They're the 14th pick currently, and this year coming, Jimmy G, who was signed by McDaniels, now benched. O'Connell played, didn't look too bad. Could they stick with him for the rest of the year? But if you know if they want to move on from Jimmy G, it's going to cost. And they've got an out after the second year, but potentially for next year, is your real issue? It'd cost you $28 million next year in dead cap if you wanted to ditch him, which is a big, big slug, or you'd have to sit him or use him or have him as a backup for a year if you went into the draft, and it'd be $12 million out the year after, which is a lot more palatable. But if you feel it's the right thing to do right now, or you could trade him or do something, I don't know. But some signs of life, but for the Giants' disaster and for Dayball, I don't know how he'd be feeling now. But... Some thought last year, you know, massive overachievement. Was it a false dawn? Was it not? But you're looking at it now, sort of thinking, well, maybe it was. They get the wild card. They end up with a harder schedule. They paid Daniel Jones, which they didn't have to. They should have just tagged him. Now he's done his ACL. They're in for $82 million total. If they wanted to cut him, it's going to cost them $47 million. And if not, same deal. They have to wait until 25 for a $22 million out, which is still... An incredible burden. You've got Saquon tagged. It's a running back. It's a hard contract to do. You trade for Darren Waller, injury-prone, big contract. You know, they've got a couple of good players in their D-line, but that hasn't really worked out. Thibodeau's been hot and cold. But this is really not looking good 12 months on from what it was. So it's, it's going to be a very interesting end of the year and a very interesting situation moving forward. But currently, at the third pick, I reiterate what we talk about a lot of teams. You don't have your quarterback. Daniel Jones is not your quarterback. If you end up with a good pick and you like May or Caleb Williams or any of these sort of guys that are going to be available, Bo Nix, bit bit older, Michael Penix Jr., you draft him because it's a cheap salary cap hit for now. It offsets the situation and you can probably sit on it for 12 months, physically unable to perform, put him on the IR, then cut your losses the year later. But we'll see how both teams choose to take course. Eagles-Cowboys, what a great game this was. have to give credit to Dak. Dak, for the first time, probably showed that he, you know, that's the sort of game you'd want, and he wasn't the reason why they didn't win. Um, he was very good with the ball. He used his legs to make plays, three touchdowns. Finally, we spoke about it, like using C.D. Lamb since he has been getting him involved. The offense has been much better. Ferguson has turned out to be a great replacement for Dalton Schultz. Their special teams made plays. Devontae Turpin and these guys on kick returns. But Philly, Philly just don't go away. They fight for everything. They're two fronts. Offensively and defensively, they found a way to go 100-plus on the ground again. It wasn't pretty, and that to earn everything. Hertz went off at one stage, but the brotherly shove, the gain well run, a couple of big one-on-one wins by AJ and Devonta. Um, a huge loss for them and got it with a broken arm, but it was more what they did in those little bits of the arm wrestle and one-on-one wins that got them home, and Dallas had a chance at the end with a bit of a drive there to try and get themselves the victory. But Philly hold on. And again, at 8-1 and one this year, and looking at them, it hasn't been impressive. They find a way to win, so you can't deny that. And that's a huge divisional win. That puts them right in the driver's seat for the one or two seed a week off and a win. Obviously, the NFC East, which is certainly not an easy thing to do. But for Goddard, how long it's going to be, 
unsure yet, depending on severity of the break or a fracture. You know, those situations can be a deal where it's four weeks, could be eight weeks, surgery-wise. It's it's definitely one they've got to watch. Hurts, he toughs it out. Hopefully, he's not too beaten up. But the best thing for them is they're controlling their own destiny at the moment. And when you're leading, you put yourself in a really good position at the back end if you want to rest. So eight and one, clear of the Cowboys at five and three. You've got the three-win buffer for your decision. You're in the driver's seat with the other divisions, top being five and three, five and four, and six and two. So you're two clear at the top of the NFC. It's a great spot to be in when you have these sort of issues. But man, like AJ Brown, he's been impressive. Very, very impressive. That trade now, if you're Tennessee and you look back on it, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but that's worked out really well for Philly. And uh, yeah, clearly in the driver's seat, and they control the NFC right now. We'll see if the 49ers, after a few rough weeks in a bike, can bounce back and sort of compete with them. They're probably the two, and then the Lions are sort of hanging around there, but after getting slapped around by the Ravens, brought a bit of doubt about their situation. But for the Cowboys, I think no love lost. Uh, for them, but a weird one also this week. You know, they said they were open for business at the trade deadline, and then they signed Matavius Bryant. If people don't remember, the big, long, fast, lanky receiver who played for the Steelers and won a Super Bowl, he hasn't played in the NFL for four years. Uh, I may be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure it was a suspension of some description, and then he might have gone and played CFL or something like that. But to get somebody like that after the deadline, after four years out for your receiver room. I guess it's no risk, no reward, but it's, it's a very odd move. And it's, it's the sort of things that the Cowboys do at times that make you scratch your head. But see how that one pans out for them. But finishing up, only two games left. The Bengals and the Bills, the rise continues of the Bengals. And it's no surprise, I don't think, that as Burrow's got healthier and the Lions doing a better job and he's been able to move around and navigate that, they've just got better. The defense with the changes with Lou Amarumo has just got better and better as well. Their pass rush has come into the thick of things. Hendrickson, really, really underrated, has been for multiple years on that front. Pratt, Logan Wilson, their linebacking core, what they get out of that, they've come to the forefront. But Burrow, man, when he's on and he's moving, he is just clinical. He slices teams, drives go well, he's in complete control. 31 of 44, move the ball, spreads it out. They got enough out of their rush, even though it wasn't the greatest. But for Allen and the Bills, with those defensive injuries, it's probably noting back to what we spoke about multiple weeks and it's become a more and more obvious. He is a great deodorant for what possibly isn't that good a team. Missing Daquan, Milano at the linebacking position, Tredavious White and guys on defense, that slowly got worse and worse. Miller, a bit older, coming back health-wise, not impacting the game. The run game's still not happening. Allen's still the best on that front. Like This guy... It's all on him, and if he didn't move the, the way he does, he, you know, he'd get sacked a lot more. So offensive line, defense is the toll, their running game. It, if Josh Allen's not this team's quarterback, they, they could potentially be down there with the Patriots. That's where they're at. But For the Bengals, we talked about it last week at the back end. You want to talk about futures, Super Bowl odds, AFC odds, or MVP. $17 they were, and Burrow was $17 MVP. Both shortened in. Burrow was about 9.50 last time we looked. We'll have a look at the odds when we get to the Week 10 preview, but I'd like to know the odds this week. And I know it's only one week, but the form that's been put together last month, the direction they're heading, the value might have been last week on Bengals and Burrow in both those future awards, but time will tell. 
And the last game to wrap up, week nine, Jets charges, Jets players and coaches, and the comments say enough afterwards, you know, but regardless of what you think of Zach Wilson or what they think of Zach Wilson, I think to heap it all on him is just a crock of shit. Um, he's clearly not the guy, and losing Rodgers is, is brutal, but there's a reason they lost Rodgers. Rodgers, and the only four plays of the season he had, was not protected. Their offensive line is shit. They've made some horrible choices there that had some guys that have flopped or been very injury-prone, and wouldn't matter if it's Wilson, Rogers, or anyone standing back there. The job that their offensive line does is ordinary, and that's another thing that reflects on their run game. And the Cook signing hasn't worked because of it, and Brees' health, but said it again, we'll say it again, they lean on their defense too much. That side of the ball is absolutely fantastic, but heading into next year or whether Rogers was back this year, they've got to fix their offensive line, and they need more receivers than just Garrett Wilson. And to, yeah, blame Zach Wilson also. He hit Conklin right between the numbers and he dropped a touchdown. So it was an error of the offense as a whole, not just Zach Wilson, who I certainly wouldn't want as my starting quarterback. But, yeah, a lot of comments seem to have related to him and what he didn't do. So I think the Jets need to have a bit of a look internally because they've certainly leaned on their defense. But for the Chargers and Staley, um, some signs of life for their defense for a couple of weeks. The run game's been... A little bit better with a variety that comes back with Eckler and his offerings and seven and a half sacks, three force fumbles. They're finally getting a bit of payout, which they need for the money they've got invested in their defense. Mack and Bosa, big part of that. Um, Keenan Allen, who's been a hell of a player, 10,000-yard milestone. Great day for him. And, yeah, this was a disappointing day for the Jets and puts them in an odd spot. They were still talking about the wild card and Rogers and his magical healing powers and dropping his bottle of tequila on the sideline about if they could get to a wild card. I just don't know why you'd bother for this year. The money you've invested, you know your situation, address your issues. They talked, they went after Devontae. I think knowing the relationship between him, Rogers, and that, there's going to be a tax on that. So rather than that, I think you're better off shutting it down, trying to get a good pick. And again, They've got the 16th pick. They've got a really good defense. A lot of those guys either are signed or on rookie contracts. You've got Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, Carter Jr. probably hasn't been the factor he is, but address your offensive line and get another receiver. That simple. Get Rogers healthy, fix the lineup, and find someone else to compliment Garrett. Receivers are deep. You look at Tank Dell and all of these guys are getting picked in the third, fourth rounds. Just dive into that for your draft or find a free agent and not just guys that Rogers played with. I know they've got a few in there, but money-wise, like Lazard and the money he's getting paid and some of the other guys, it's, it's just a waste. But there's no point having him as your quarterback. If Wilson's your only good receiver, you've got no run game and you can't protect him. But for now, Staley, a little bit of pressure off, but time will tell. Still got to get them into the playoffs and do something because if they get a wild card or still go nowhere this year after the time that he's had, I think it'd be about time for the Chargers to change. They're four and four. They're three behind the Chiefs. They're not in the wild card just yet, so there's still a lot of work to be done. That wraps us up in terms of week nine. Let's have a look at the week that is and that one game that's already gone in the NFL. The Bears prevailing over the Panthers in one that wasn't the flashiest game to watch. And this one, probably not either. The Colts and the Patriots in Germany. Massive crowd last week. Great crowd singing Country Road. Travelling over. 
no JC Jackson, a lot of guys under the weather and the way they've been playing. Slight favourites, the Colts at $1.78. I'd probably lean that way. If they protect the ball, if they could run the ball, like the Patriots defence is doing an okay job, but offensively you couldn't trust them. They can generate pressure, the Colts line. They can control things with their own game. Uh, yeah, not a lot of confidence in the Patriots at this point in time. And I'd be trying to get the best pick, regardless of what their plan is with Bill or what we do and don't know with the media speculation. So Colts for me. 49ers at Jacksonville. Big one for the 49ers off a couple of losses and a buy. Debo's going to be back. Williams is still questionable, but a couple of guys have got some rest. Can they clean up the turnovers? Can they not lean so heavily on the run game? Uh, and their defense. Chase Young now on the other side of the field to Bosa. Those comments he made about feeling the difference between a winning organization and a losing organization. Them going to get to the quarterback and do what they used to do at Ohio State. The proof will be in the pudding this week. This offensive line for the Jags has been getting better. They traded for another piece in Ezra Cleveland at the deadline. Etienne's been running the ball. They've got receivers, so this is a stiff challenge this week. And certainly one that will give us an idea of where San Fran's at. But I'll take them slightly at $1.57, but three is the start there on the Jags. $2.42 outsiders if you like them. Um, New Orleans, $1.63 up against Minnesota at two twenty-eight, And it's at Minnesota. And why, again, I think New Orleans is with a running game, their defense, and Carr's been steady. I think this is still open for Minnesota with Dobbs starting. Jaron Hall has been ruled out. Jefferson's questionable, not likely to play. But, you know, the way they've been playing, there's been improvements on the defensive side of things at home. This is not a gimme. I don't mind the two twenty-eight. I don't mind the point start. So I'm going to go to the outsider in the Vikings and ride the Dobbs momentum train with a week and actually knowing what's going on off the back of what he did last week and not having a lot of confidence in Carr. Um, if New Orleans win, I think it'll be because of their run game and their defense. The Titans, the Buccaneers. That's a tough one. It's at Raymond James. The Bucs, it's been a tough few weeks. Coming off the back of that big loss, has the bubble burst? Is the confidence of the group gone? Are some of the guys off it? I don't know. They're slightly favoured at $1.82, but Vrabel's statement this week that Levis will remain the starter for the rest of the year and the backup will be Ryan Tannehill. Their relationship with D-Hop, their defence, it's a tough road trip. So, you know, you maybe look at Tampa, but if the Titans were a little bit more value, not $2 flat to the $1.82, I'd consider the Titans, but, you know, maybe this is the shot in the arm they need, knowing who their quarterback is and a way forward, but that one's a hard one to pick. Browns-Ravens, what a game this is. Game of the week, in my opinion. The Browns going to Baltimore. Baltimore $1.33. Cleveland three thirty-five. Like you said, the clash of those running back groups, these two defenses, the quarterbacks, uh, they've lost six in a row in division, the Browns. So the Ravens heavily in their favor, and I'll go with them at $1.33. But if you like the outsider, the Browns certainly could do some damage if they can stop that front, if they can pressure. You know, it's all in the favor there, possibly for the Browns as well. So 335, a bit of value is Deshaun Healthy. Can they get more out of him? That question remains. Texans-Bengals, off the back of a big week and the building momentum of the Bengals, the Texans roll in. $3 outsiders. I think this might be a bridge too far, but this would be a great test again in the young career of CJ Stroud. But Joe Burrow, 
at home. Things going nicely here at $1.40. I'll go with the Bengals. Green Bay, Pittsburgh. It's another one where you look at it and go, it's at Pittsburgh. They haven't been playing great, but the Packers haven't been playing great. And if there's one thing that Pittsburgh does, they generate with Highsmith and Watt some pressure. Secondary is pretty tidy. If they can get some semblance of the run game they got last week and make things comfortable for Pickett now that he's got Johnson and Pickens back, I'd have to be on the Steelers. But they just keep winning ugly. So I'm going to back more their defense to get it done. And there's some doubts on the Packers side with Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, and some of their more important guys on defense off so they're missing. Uh, I think Pittsburgh in an ugly one at home, $1.53. Falcons, Cardinals, flip a coin. Uh, Arthur Smith announced that Heineke will still be the starter. I don't think that's any surprise, but regardless for this year, who the quarterback is, that needs to be addressed. Can they get the run game going again? That's been missing. Arizona broken after the move that was made last week and all the effort they've put in. Kyler Murray is officially back. Can that kickstart this offense after the disaster that was last week? Can he move the way that he did before? He's off a big injury. You usually don't get that mobility and that speed back straight away, but to make plays, he needs his legs. Um, and can they protect him? You know, the Falcons have lost some players on the defensive side, but they've still been generating enough to get some turnovers and some pressure. So this one's a bit of a pick for me, but it's at Arizona. If, if Murray's any semblance of what he was and can get things going and the effort comes back, Maybe Arizona, but they looked very flat last week. So this is a must-win for the Falcons at $1.80. Lions-Chargers, great matchup as well. Lions off a break. Chance to revitalize. Had some injuries and issues across multiple parts of their team. Chargers trying to build into things. This is one of those ones for them. You want to be a playoff team. Staley wants to keep his job. You've got to get one of these wins. Got to take a scalp. They're at home, but Goff... Laporta, Armin Ra, St. Brown, the run game, Montgomery back with Gibbs, that jewel-headed monster. The defense has been building. They're going to need their defense to turn up this week again, the Chargers. There's a lot of money invested in it, and they need to get some pressure. They need to make Goff drop back and not be able to just dictate with the run game and pick and choose when he wants to throw. And it's not a lot, Herbert. It's big on starting the defense. So I'll stick with the Lions at $1.63, but if you like the Chargers, $2.30. Not bad value. Giants-Cowboys. They're $11, the Giants. No surprise. Tommy DeVito has been ordinary. Matt Barkley's been elevated as the backup. Waller's been shut down. He's on IR. Jones out, as we said. Divisional game. Dallas will take some confidence out of the result last week. I think they'll want to have a statement here. It's minus 17.5 and $1.04. Couldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole, but anytime touchdown scorer. Jake Ferguson, 295. I like it. CD Lamb, $2.12, I like it. Commander Seahawks. Seahawks need to bounce back. It's at Seattle, $1.36. Commanders, they've been good nuisance value. But when you trade away picks, it looks more like you're trying to shut things down. Not completely, but enough to the point where maybe, you know, they got zero sacks, their pass rush is not existent. Seahawks are embarrassed, they're going home. I'll take them at $1.36, but it wasn't a great week. Brooks, their great linebacker, he's in some doubt. Um, Gino's confidence is a bit rattled, but yeah, at home with the 12s, they need to step up this week. But, you know, if you like Washington, $3.18, good value. And closing things out, Jets, Vegas, awful week last week, a lot said by the Jets side of things. This defense is definitely a step up compared to what they played against the Giants, and let's see if the Raiders' momentum can carry through. But, you know, 
they've done a good job at stopping most quarterbacks. It's a big week for O'Connell. If he's starting, they're going to have to lean into Jacobs in the run game. Can they do that again? Can Crosby and their defensive line get some sacks? I'm sure they will because the Jets' offensive line is terrible. So I think this is more going to be which quarterback makes the, the least amount of mistakes and who can run the ball. And with that in mind, um, I think the slight advantage on the, on the ground game and the run to Jacobs and the defense, if front in particular Crosby might be able to get to Wilson a few times, I'll slightly favor the Raiders. They're the outsiders at $1.95, but the Jets, they're going to be leaning into the defense as they always do. And Monday night football, Tuesday here, Denver Broncos, Buffalo Bills, Buffalo short at $1.27. I think, again, this one has a sneaky, sneaky feeling around it with the injuries they've had and the situation they've sort of found themselves in. Leaning on Allen more and more. A Broncos team that's starting to take some shape under Peyton, managing things with Wilson, leaning into their running game a bit more. He's getting a bit out of his defense. That's certainly tightened up since the Dolphins game. He's cut some dead wood. He's moved on some contracts. I don't think this is by any means a slam dunk for Buffalo at home. Should they probably win? Still having Diggs, Kincaid, and the weapons they've got, yes, but can their offensive line do a better job? Can their defense tighten up? I don't know. And probably the scarier part for them is there's more questions than there is answers. And they've got a few guys in doubt in their defense on top of the injuries they've already got. Bernard, the linebacker, Poya, and you're already missing White, Daquan Jones, Matt Milano, etc. So I think by no means this is a slam dunk. And Denver, seven-point start and $3.80. Uh, maybe push that out to 10.5 or 7.5. I probably wouldn't mind it. But for me this week, a couple of bets that I like. If you wanted some value, I like Hopkins at $3 any time to score now that Levis has been named the quarterback against the Buccaneers. I think Ferguson at 295 or C.D. Lamb in that game against the Giants. I think Dallas are going to go off and potentially rack up a big score. And Baltimore Browns, the fact that they both got good defensive fronts and the run game may not be as open. His favorite target, Lamar. Mark Andrews is $3 for a touchdown as well. I like that one in a game that will be tightly contested. I can see them getting in the red zone and him making one of those plays over the middle to Andrews, who so often is his safety blanket when things don't work out. So, big week in the NFL. A couple of divisions that are blown wide open, a couple that are nice and tight, but, yeah, AFC North, what a division. That is an absolute belter. And for the Ravens, you know, a loss here. And if the Steelers and Bengals win, you're looking at a potential situation of seven and three and all the other teams under six and three. Six, yeah, six and three. So this division right now could potentially have three, even four, if the others keep struggling the way they are. The Jags, you know, too clear. Can they get a big scalp against the 49ers and continue their win streak? Can the Texans bounce back? But if they do... They'll be right in the mix. The Bills need to win to stay in touch with the Dolphins. Otherwise, it opens up an opportunity to skip away. The Chiefs still three clear. You know, now they've got the week off. Big week for the Chargers. And on the flip side, NFC South, Saints-Falcons. Could it separate? 49ers, Seahawks, now even off the back of that big loss. Big week for those two. Um, But yeah, Lions, Vikings, that's getting tighter. The only real one that's standing out. Philly, complete control of the NFC. And last thing to do here, those futures we spoke about last week, the MVP odds. Joey Burrow was at $17. He's now 950 
Mahomes at 350, Hertz 420, Lamar 550, Tour at seven. I think you're going to scrub that. But Burrow 950, I still think that's good value. So if you like that, it's not 17s anymore, but still close to almost double digits. It's not bad. Your Super Bowl odds for them as well. They were 17 last week, they're 14. So I still think, again, even a 10 or a 20 pop there. AFC is going to be tough. We know they're going to have to play the Ravens or someone on the way through. Um, Jags, etc. Cleveland, when you look at the AFC race, it's not an easy one, but the Bengals at $14, looking at the teams and the names that are there, probably present the best value on that side of things. Um, but yeah, the NFC, AFC winners, you'd think now, Philly, Dallas, Philly and the 49ers, still very short, $3.350. Your value on the outside, Cowboys 6, Lions 7, that those two clearly holding the steering wheel in that regard. And for the AFC, Oh, man. Like, the Chiefs are $3.30 favorites, despite the fact their offense is still sputtering off the back of their great D. Bills, nine fifty. I couldn't have. Bengals, eight fifty. AFC, I think that's good value. Ravens at 5, I think it's good value. Cleveland and Jacksonville, Ruffies at 14s and 10s. But the Bengals are the one staring at me in the face right now. Like I said, it's all shortened since last week, but still almost $10. That's where I'd be putting my money. But there you have it. It's been an interesting week. Apologise for the last two weeks in general and the disruption around life and work, but that's the way things go. But another great week coming up in the NFL. The run into the playoffs is coming, that great time of the year. You hit Christmas, you have Boxing Day, Christmas Day games, along with the NBA, and then coming into January, it's playoff time. It'll be here before you know it. Still plenty to shake out between the two divisions, but you're clear on toppers at the moment. Philly controlling the NFC and looking to take full control of that number one seed and the boy and the AFC, the North, completely running right and the Ravens now sitting atop. Let's see what happens this week. For now, enjoy your week.